Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Radio family, good morning. Happy weekend and welcome to another weekend edition of Community Focus returning every Saturday and Sunday mornings, as usually is the case, to get the word out and simply engage in great conversation with members of our Community Focus family. And this is one family member I haven't talked to in a while, and generally it's around this time because I always look forward to one event that many of you, particularly if you are parents, and especially around the summertime, which we currently are, and as the months are seem to be going by rather quickly, and depending upon who you ask, because 2020 has been, and this is an understatement in using the term or the word different, or it's been unusual, but I wanted to say good morning to you, Sherry Crosby. First of all, how are you? Good morning. Good morning to you. I am well. I am doing the best I can to stay busy and safe. Wonderful. And thank you for expressing those very words, because I think that's a lot of us. And to go back to what I was just saying, Sherry, before bringing you on, you definitely are a regular member of our community focused family. And I was alluding to the fact this is usually around the time that you and I get to have really fun conversation about the reading is fun run. But then, you know, in in the middle of March, this pandemic that none of us knew about that we found out was the coronavirus that originated outside of the country and then made its way to the United States. And we fast forward now to where it is about that time for our kids to be headed back to school. And I'm sure particularly with you in a dual role, not only as a teacher, but equally so as a parent, The apprehension, yeah, as to how things are going to be for really a new situation for a lot of us as parents, because this is something that's just never happened really before, particularly in our time, that when the announcement came, Sherry, from the governor of our state, that as far as when kids go back to school, 
it seems that every school district, it's pretty much been left up to them as to how they're going to be teaching our kids, whether it's going to be in person in the classroom or whether things are going to be done virtually. And I think that's the big concern that a lot of parents are having. And so I really, really appreciate you bringing this conversation here to our public affairs program because I really wanted to get a twofold perspective not only from you as a teacher, but also as a parent. So thank you so much for that. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. I look forward to being able to, even if I can't assuage someone's fears a small right. bit. Absolutely. So let's get our conversation started, Sherry. This first question I wanted to ask now, as a Guilford County school teacher, how do you feel about the county's course of action for the upcoming school year in regard to returning? Um. I think, first of all, I really appreciate that our county is considering the safety of everyone mm-hmm. and not just one one side of the population. There are teachers in the schools who are, like you said, parents and teachers, and so they have to approach the problem from both ends. Right. But I think the county has done a really good job of looking at this from all sides. Mm-hmm. Our superintendent, Sharon Contreras, has done a wonderful job yeah of stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, wait a minute, let's let's make sure we keep everybody safe. Let's make sure we do this in such a way that we won't have to backpedal or go back and change something. You know, let's do it right the first time. And, uh, you know, going back just, you know, gives you a bit of fear. Because like you said, this is the we've not done this before. Right. This is the first time this is, we didn't even know what a pandemic was. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to realize and give yourself time to accept what's happening, to process it. And then you have to make decisions that are going to affect either your life or the children's life, Mm -hmm. depending on what you decide. Even as a teacher, I have waffled back and forth from teacher to parent, teacher to parent when considering what I'm going to do for my family. Mm -hmm. And I'm a teacher and I've been doing this for 23 years. And I love what I do. You know, I love what I do. And I just want the county to continue on the path of considering the safety of everyone, which they've done a wonderful job of Mm -hmm. so far. They've been very transparent with their intentions and their goals for our schools and our students and our parents and our teachers. So I think that they're doing a good job right now. Excellent. Now, Sherry, on that note, too, have you had the opportunity, in addition to staying in contact with the superintendent, any thought or feedback, even from the parents before the kids do uh, head back officially to school, whether for some it may be going back into the classroom with, of course, the needed adjustments of making sure that all the mandates and safety procedures and protocol is in place with social distancing, wearing masks, um, certainly the hand washing, the sanitizing. Have, have you been in communique with, with some of your uh, or some of the parents of, of your students for the upcoming school year? Oh, yeah. I'm, my phone has just been ringing because even former parents, um, yeah. teacher friends, mm-hmm. we're reaching out to each other during this time and we're asking each other, you know, what are you going to do? What are your thoughts? How right. do you feel? Um, you have to consider um, not every teacher is a veteran or career status teacher and they, they may not know what all the parameters are that are involved in making this decision and going back because they just started teaching. Right. So. The way I'm looking at it 
is I'm looking at it from perspective of, okay, this is what's going to happen. I've seen this before. I've Mm -hmm. seen this before. Mm -hmm. I've seen this before. And I can see a pattern. But if you've not been in the county long enough, you you can't see a pattern. Right. Um, So you have to reach out to other people and consider other professional opinions. Um, And it's okay. You know, to, to pick up the phone and say, who can I call right. to ask a question? Our superintendent, Dr. Contreras, sent a uh, survey out to teachers to ask us what our intentions were for the upcoming school year. So she did leave that um, communication open um, right. for input from the employees, which I appreciate it yeah. because it gave us a voice. Um, individually, it gave us a voice. Um, our principal, my principal specifically, has been great at opening the the um, communication up for teachers to ask her questions um, as far as she can answer um, to help us to deal with what's going on or maybe make some more decisions mm-hmm. or just to let us give us some information. So any parent that reaches out to me, I try to tell them the one thing, do what's best right. for your family. Absolutely. Nobody else is in charge of your family except Mm -hmm. you. So if you're basing what you do for your family on what 10 people told you, then if something happens, then you have to take responsibility for anything negative that happens. Um, Of course, we don't want anything negative to happen at all to anyone. But let's be realistic. This is a real disease. It's a real virus. It's a real pandemic. And there are very real dangers. And so I tell parents, do not let anyone else make a decision for your household. You know, you make the best decision that is for you. If you have to go back to work and you need your children at school, then mm-hmm. start talking to your children about what, how to stay safe and um, what they need to do. Be on top of what's coming down the line about the guidelines Absolutely. Place at schools. Stay on top of all that information. Go onto the website, um, email people, ask questions, mm-hmm. reach out to schools and principals. So I give them that type of, of guidance if they do reach out to me. Excellent, Sherry. And you also made me think to, as you were alluding to earlier, I think about, especially for teachers who, like you say, are are new in the profession or haven't been in the career of teaching nearly as long as you have with 23 wonderful years, I think about those new teachers who just graduated from school, you know, just from college, and they majored in education, and this was like a dream come true for them, and then all of a sudden... Everything came to a halt mid-March when this pandemic hit. And now you talk about challenges. This has to be the biggest challenge, whether you are new to teaching in the school system or you're a seasoned educator such as yourself. Right. I mean, when you're a teacher, teaching is a work of heart, I like to say. Because either you you love it or you don't. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something you get up and you say, well, i got to go to work. You get up every day, you say, I'm going to make a difference in a child's yeah. life today. Yeah. That, that makes you a teacher. So when you graduate, whether you have 23 years or whether you have one year or zero years, right. that passion is still in your heart. Absolutely. And, and this time affects a first-year teacher just as passionately and dramatically as it affects a, a teacher who's been in the system for significantly longer. Mm-hmm. So. We both have those both of those two types of people have the same type of passion, the same drive, the same love of exactly. teaching, because believe it or not, teachers want to go back. Hmm. It's not that we don't want to go back. We want to be there for our children because we know that they have just gone through an experience that is unprecedented mm-hmm. and they're going to need the support and care 
you know, that we always give. So we want to be there for them. But at the same time, like you said, well, what do I do about my family and my right. house? Because Absolutely. this is not a made up thing. This is something, this is a very real danger. Very true. It's a very real and present mm-hmm. danger. So, you know, if you're a first year teacher, you're having to make that decision right now. Like, do I put my family in jeopardy mm-hmm. or Am I going to let my passion and the and, and what's in my heart drive me and go into that school and do the best that I can? Um, and I think that the choice will be up to each individual teacher, of course. Mm-hmm. But I would urge a new year teacher to reach out to someone who's been in the system longer exactly. and just have a conversation right. Not to change your mind mm-hmm. or to make a decision for you, but just have a conversation with someone. Excellent. Excellent. And I was thinking on the reverse side of that, because interestingly enough, Sherry, I just had a visit with my doctor, and he happens to be a parent, uh, a daughter who I believe he said was starting the 11th grade, and then he has two sons, one I think is like 11, the other's 15. And I asked him, I said, well, how do you boys feel? He said, oh, they've been ready. You know, even though they've had to learn virtually from home, he said his sons are ready to go back to school, and even more so, both of them are involved in sports. So they're, they're missing the fact that, you know, Whatever limited practice that they've had, they've even had to be very, very safety conscious from that perspective and certain things that, of course, there is no more normal to what they were doing. But, yeah, his kids, like I'm sure with most parents, as the same with you and and other teachers, are ready to get back in the classroom. Right. Well, you know, that's their normal. Yeah. Children want to go back to what their normal is. Now, we're older, we're parents, and we've experienced different things in our lives that has created um, or given us the ability to learn how to cope quicker than children know how to cope with uh, a type of situation. We may not have gone through a pandemic before, but if you're an adult, you've been through something Mm -hmm. that has given you the ability to learn how to say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I got to do. I'm a grown up. I'm just going to have to deal with it Mm -hmm. and do the best that I can. Well, children don't have that, all the the abilities that we have as adults. And so as an adult, you have to step in and make those decisions for your children. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not even based on what they want. But based on what is right for them as a parent, Mm -hmm. because my son wants to go to school. He just got into Weaver Academy and he is, I'm telling you, over the moon excited about going. He's been talking about going to the school since he started middle school. That's that was his dream high school to attend. So, yes, he wants to go. But as a parent. I have to look at all sides and say, do what's best for him to keep him safe. And I have included him in conversations because, you know, Lincoln, he's intelligent enough to sit down and have a back and forth conversation Mm -hmm. with us. But he's still a child. And children... They're invincible, mm. and they they don't they don't know. You know, when you get older, you get your hip hurting, and your, exactly and your things hurting. we already know about. You know, <laughs> right, we we know what it's like to to age has taught us yes. that you know sickness is real and, mm. and disease mm. is real, and there are things out there that will hurt you. But children, they they feel like they're invincible, yeah. so you know they feel like well, it's not going to affect me, or I'm going to be able to beat it because I'm young enough. Right. And this virus does not care how old Thank you, you are. Thank you. Thank you. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We don't have a vaccine for it. Now, if we had a vaccine for the the um, for the coronavirus, and we were going back to school just like we have for a flu vaccine, mm-hmm. then I guarantee you, no one will be saying, "Well, I'm not sending my child back," right. because there is a vaccine available mm-hmm. to us. 
for the flu, but there is not one available for this. Right. And so as a parent, your children may be excited to go back to school, but you still have to remember to make the decision that you need to make that's best for your family as that parent. Absolutely. But definitely include your children mm-hmm. in those conversations as yeah. much as you can. Um, just to let them know, because they want to be included in those conversations. Exactly. They don't want to just be left out and say, well, you're doing this. And I've heard several parents say to me, well, she doesn't have a choice. She's going to do what I tell her to do. And I understand that. But if we take away their voices mm-hmm. now, yeah. then they're not going to feel like they have a voice later. Yeah. So you may weigh their the options, but just let them know that the final decision is mm-hmm. going to be a decision based on what's best. Absolutely. And I like that you say that because that really says to our our sons and daughters that their input is just as important. It really is. It Mm -hmm. really is. And they want a voice. I mean, we see the movements that are going on around the world right now. And uh, there are a lot of young people involved in everything that's happening Mm -hmm. in this world right now. And I love it because now we have an opportunity to set a foundation that will allow children and allow younger adults to know how to speak up and when to speak up and why it's important to speak up. But speak up in such a way that's respectful and that allows people to voice their their own opinions and fears as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have the great opportunity right here to, to set a precedent for excellence for all of our children in a time of turmoil. You know, it's, that, that's a great opportunity right now. And this is an excellent stopping point. I can't believe these first few minutes, Sherry, just go by so fast. See, that that's always the case when we're in excellent conversation. And I'm, right. I'm glad that we can continue it. So, again, thank you so much for the importance of this conversation. And welcome back, family. It's been a minute. Oh, yeah. But I look forward to it every year. This is different, but this is the new normal. Yes, yes. So thank <laughs> you so much. To the old normal. That's right. That's right. And, and maybe one day we will. Who knows? But right now, the focus, like you said, is, is on the safety of all involved. And that's our right. kids. And that's for us as parents. Sherry Crosby, it is great to have you back. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. Okay. And Radio Family, thank you for your great company. You are indeed listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus, and we will return right after this. We are back. More of the weekend edition of Community Focus heard on our intercom stations. Your great company, of course, Radio Family, Saturday and Sunday mornings, and the great company, of course, of members of our Community Focus family. And it's definitely in Sherry Crosby. She is a teacher. She is a parent. And we are engaged in great conversation as regards to the return of the school year, Sherry. And before we went to break, we were basically talking about the input that is so important coming not only from us as family members, whether we're parents, whether we have sons or daughters, but we say that conversation between us, if we are teachers, we're in the administrative system. And the next question I wanted to ask, what do you feel you need as a teacher to feel safe to do their job when they do return? Um, well, if if I were to go back into the school, when I go back into the school, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that that everyone is held accountable. If you tell if you tell me as a parent that when I bring my child to school, I need to make sure that he does not have a temperature, that um that I'm bringing him to school in a healthy state, that he right. has agreed and I have agreed to follow the guidelines. Because if everybody does 
what's set up to be the expectations that are set up, the CDC guidelines, Mm -hmm. the guidelines that have been set forth by Gifford County. If everybody does what they're supposed to do, we can get back safely in such a way that we won't have to worry about too much exposure. For me as a teacher, if I walk into my classroom, I want to be sure that parents understand that we're on the same side. Mm You know, where I'm not fighting you if I if your child has a fever and they have to go back home because I think that's right. one of the 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 um the standards is that if your child comes to school and they have their temperature mm-hmm. taken and they have a fever, right. then they have to be taken back home. Right. That's not an attack on a parent. Mm-hmm. You know that that's just what has to be done to keep everyone safe exactly. because at the end of the day, it's not just about your child. Mm-hmm. It's not just about what you need. Even yeah, as true. a teacher, right? As a teacher, I just can't be like, well, this is what I want. This is what I need. Um, as a teacher, I want to go back in and be on a team that says, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. This is what how we're going to approach it. This is how we are going to keep everyone safe. Working on a team and being a part of a school family that ensures that everybody is doing everything they need to do at all times to keep each other and our children safe. When I walk in a classroom, I want the mask and I want the shields and I want the distance Mm -hmm. and I want that to be the standard for children and adults. So I feel like safety can be I can feel safe in an environment that would give me that, you know, because you walk in and you know children know not to take off their mask. Mm-hmm. And you know children know to stay six feet apart. Right. And But it's going to take time, time exactly. to teach us. That's why I tell parents when they call me, I'm like, go ahead and start talking to them. If you're sending your child back to school, do not wait for the teachers to teach them that. Go mm-hmm. ahead and start doing that now. Exactly. You know, exactly. teach them how to put that mask on and why it's important and teach them, what, you know, talk to them about, you know, what wait, what's going to happen if, if they take it off or if they, I've seen children wearing it as a cap across their head <laughs> yeah. and all kinds and I of saw one little boy at uh-huh. Walmart was using his as a slingshot. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that, but that is a perfect slingshot. Mm-hmm. Now so, that you mention it, yeah. Right. Well. So it's got the little elastic bands on the side. So I, I was walking, I was picking up some grapes, and I talked to the lady, and I said, you know what? I said, this is a great time for you to talk to him about how to wear that correctly. Mm-hmm. She, kind of, she looked at me weird, but, you know, I'm not averse to stopping beside someone right. and having a, a conversation with a stranger yeah. uh, as long as they're acceptable of the conversation right, exactly. um, about, you know, ways to help their children through this difficult time. Because mm-hmm. whether I'm in the school or out of the school, I'm still a teacher. Exactly. And I think that goes back to that particular experience, Sherry, as you were talking about earlier, how young ones really do think they're invincible right they do he doesn't know that little boy had no idea exactly that he was exposing himself mm-hmm. to a potential danger by using his face mask exactly exactly well sherry let me ask you this question do you feel like teachers need or even deserve hazard pay to return to school in the fall I think that hazard pay would definitely be welcomed, yeah. whether it's a reality or mm-hmm. something that's really going to happen. Right. I seriously doubt it. Okay. I feel like I deserve hazard pay. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going into an environment that's potentially dangerous, yeah, exactly. more so than usual. Mm-hmm. If you work in a school, you know, there's germs. OK, that's not a that's not a surprise. OK, um, but if I feel like I'm going into a dangerous situation that could potentially harm me and thereby my family when I come home, yeah, of course, I think I deserve hazard pay. Is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can't see that happening because 
right now, our county is just trying to make sure they can pay for what they need to do to sure. make sure we just get in there safely. Right. Um, I'm not going to say no, though. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. Totally um, understand. Now, as a teacher and parent, what options would you like available if you don't feel comfortable sending your child to school and have to report to the building, especially in the case of teachers who are single parents? If, if I don't personally feel comfortable sending yeah. my child to school, mm-hmm. um, if if I don't feel comfortable sending my child to school, then then I would go ahead and enroll my child in the virtual option right. for for school. Now, mm-hmm. some parents, that's not a reality, especially if you're a single parent mm-hmm. and you have to go to work and you have a school aged child and there's just not anybody else to watch your child. Exactly. But you don't want to send your kid to school. Right. That's a hard situation, mm-hmm. and it's it's not something that I even have an answer to because I can't imagine having to make that decision. Right. In those situations, I feel like those parents are going to do the best they can mm-hmm. and take it day by day. Right. Because you don't know what's going to happen day by day. You might right. say, baby, you have to go to school mm-hmm. because mama has to go to work. Right. If I don't go to work, I can't pay the bills. If I can't pay the bills, then we can't eat. We don't have anywhere to live. So you have to go to school. But if you're in that situation, then now is the time for you to be talking to that child about how to stay safe, mm-hmm. be talking to that school, be talking to your elected officials and having those conversations and reaching out and making sure that your voice is heard. That's an option to you that's available at all times to um, help you decide, you know, whether you want to send your child back to school. Mm-hmm. The um, Board of Education meetings are always televised on the Zoom uh, recently, right. so attend those meetings and listen mm-hmm. to the questions that are being raised. Listen to the decisions that are being made. Ask questions, and um, you know, know what your options are. Exactly. Uh, if you have a child, unfortunately, if you're a single parent and your child has a fever, what we don't want you to do is send them to school sick. Mm-hmm. That's what's best right. for you. individually as a a parent, but that's not what's best for the school family because that child can get another child sick and that child can get another child sick. So it's just going to keep going that way. Very true, Sherry. And I'm also hearing in this conversation that we're having, because I was thinking too, as regards single parents and you were alluding to, you know, the Board of Education meetings. One thing that I really, really appreciated about Guilford County Schools was that over the summer, not only were they having uh, various programs that were keeping a lot of our children in our communities fed through meal distribution programs, but you have a lot of situations in which whether it's even single or you have two parent households was the concern that, especially when schools just completely shut down and everything went virtual, you had some homes that did not have access to Wi-Fi. They didn't have Internet. And that made it even more stressful, if not more difficult, for a child or for their children to learn virtually because they didn't have the tools or the technology with which to do so. And here again, GCS stepped up to the plate. And even a lot of our area businesses in our community saying, hey, your your child can come here. They can come right. to, to, to this place. We've got Wi-Fi. We will make things available. And that's going to be another thing, too, you know, because a lot of kids were being sent home with uh, laptops and Chromebooks and ThinkPads. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the, these are things that just weren't typically happening 
on a regular basis. And it became a major adjustment for a lot of families. You know, a shout out to Jefferson County Schools for putting that together. So exactly. Fast. I mean, right. I tell you, they did a phenomenal job getting these devices to families. Exactly. Making sure that people had the resources that they need for their children to be able to learn, uh, even if they couldn't learn at their home. Right. Can you get to a place? Can you get to this spot? Can mm-hmm. you get to this spot? Your child can still work. Exactly. You know, if you don't have food, then come get some food. You know, there were so many, many things. Yeah available to parents. And different kind of schools really stepped up to the plate on that. And I'm telling you, I was fist pumping for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you know, <laughs> I was like, yes, go, you know, because exactly. that's what parents needed. Right. And we, and they did it. And so that instills a lot of confidence in the system to be able to continue to keep us safe and do what that's we true. need to get our children back into the school. Um, but, you know, I was talking to another parent and, um, she was just saying that she didn't have any transportation. Mm-hmm. Now, she had a device, but she didn't have the transportation to get to a spot okay. for her child to do the work. Right. So there's there's always going to be a remnant of, of population mm-hmm. um, that's still going to be left out because, you know, what about those parents exactly. who didn't have transportation? They couldn't get to a hot spot or they couldn't get to somewhere to go get the meals, you know. And even in those cases, I think Gifford County was taking the buses into the community. That's right, yes. To, to, to feed. Um, there were people who were left out of that. And um, I don't even know how to approach that, but I did raise that question with my elected official. Mm-hmm. What about that remnant that, that we can't get to? You know, they True. still need help. Exactly. How do we help them? Right. You know, if I got to go help deliver meals, I'll go help deliver meals. I don't care. I will help. I will get out there. And I don't know a teacher that wouldn't do it, honestly. Exactly. Um, if you said, look, we've got we've got 4,000 families right now that can't get to a hot spot or can't get to their meals. Can mm-hmm. you help right. deliver for the day? And I really think that we have uh, um, a school family, a county school oh, family that, that pulls together during those instances. Wonderful. And that is such great information. And our conversation this morning, Sherry, thanking you and members of our radio family, as I want to welcome those of you who may just be joining us to the weekend edition of Community Focus here on our intercom station, Saturday and Sunday mornings, your great company, radio family, and equally so members of our Community Focus family. And that is definitely in teacher and parent, Sherry D. Crosby, who joins me, Renee Vaughn. As we do continue in our conversation, Sherry, what worries do you have if you contract COVID-19? I have I have the exact same worries that I have double fold. Yeah, <laughs> I have yeah. well two two fold worries mm-hmm. as a parent. Uh, as a parent, I'm worried about sending my child to a school, of course, um, and whether he's going to be exposed um, because you can't control everything. Exactly. You know, you can't control every situation, and you can't make sure that your child is safe every single day and every single second. Right. So that fear is still there. Um, and then as a teacher, I'm worried that I can't control the same things. Like when children come to school, I can't control every single child. What if one child one day takes off his mask and, you know, my mask ends up slipping down and that's the moment yeah. that, that that we exchange those ear droplets and that's mm-hmm. the moment where I'm exposed. That's the fear that everybody has, right. that that one moment, mm-hmm. like you'll be safe all this time. Exactly. And then that one moment will happen and you'll be exposed to to the virus. And this is not an easy virus. This is a virus that destroys your system. Yeah. Um, so depending upon, 
you know, how, how old you are or whether or not you have any um, any other com- health conditions, mm-hmm. whether you're immunocompromised, what kind of uh, what kind of health you're in depends on how it affects your body. Exactly. So I, I definitely have a worry. I wouldn't be human if I didn't. Right. And I tell I tell other teachers that reach out to me like, well, I'm scared. Well, you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's normal. It's human. You're supposed to have a fear of a disease that could kill you. That's not an abnormal way to feel right mm-hmm. now. Uh, what we need to do is try to conquer our fear with knowledge and actions. Exactly. And yeah. so, you know, I always have that fear of, gosh, what if I'm walking down the hall and I, because you, you know, you play those worst case scenarios in your head. True. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, what if I'm walking down the right. hall one day and I trip and another child trips and his mask slips off and my mask slips off and what if that child, you know, so you you have to play those things in your head to, to prepare yourself mentally for what would I do if that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's the key because, word is, is being prepared. Yeah. Yeah, you know, children, if they do pass something on, uh, they don't, it's not something that they're intending to do. Exactly. So, you know, they don't do it on purpose. I don't think anybody would do it on purpose. That Mm -hmm. would just be cruel. So you're in a situation where you have to be able to forgive people Mm -hmm. as well. Um, If something does happen and you do get sick, you know, you can't hold a grudge against a child for not being able to control something that's uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for adults. You're right. Good point. Good point. Now, Sherry, let me ask you this. Now, what type of leave do you feel teachers should be allowed to take, especially what about new teachers? That's a hard question because new yeah. teachers don't have a lot of leave. Right. I'm hoping right. that some type of system we, we put in place that those teachers who do, um, unfortunately, if they do contract uh, the virus, that they'll be given some type of hazard pay if they mm-hmm. have to go home. And and for the 14 days that they have to quarantine or however long it takes, right. they'll be compensated in some type of way if they have to go home. Um, I have leave that I can take and use, but not everybody can say that. Say that, right. And True. all because you have it doesn't mean you want to use it. Mm-hmm. I like to go to work every day that I can go to work because you never know what's going to happen. Right. So I don't take a whole lot of days off for that reason. Yeah. And because of that, I have some days. But if my first year is in Gifford County, I don't have any days to spare. Mm-hmm. So what can we put in place to help teachers be like, to help them feel safe if I get sick, then Gifford County or the state is going to give me ABC. Right. So at right. least there's something in place for me, you know, that's going to help me, you know, take care of myself in the event that that happened. Um, I think that will be a good safeguard to mm-hmm. put in place for teachers. Absolutely. And I think that's an excellent point. And thank you for mentioning that, too, because even though we are referencing specifically Guilford County Schools. I'm, I'm thinking about all the teachers that are listening from all the surrounding counties of the 100 counties that represent our state of North Carolina. So radio family, if you happen to be like Sherry, a teacher in Guilford County Schools, and for those who are not, if, if you're teaching in other counties, every county likely is going to have some sort of commonality in the protocol that's going to be used but the best suggestion we would say, talk to your respective administrators, talk to your fellow teachers in your neighboring counties, and just get the feedback and input and the knowledge and information that's needed to fit your particular situation. Right. That's the best thing to do. Just keep yourself knowledgeable. Exactly. Exactly. Because just like this virus, it's changing every day. So not only are the medical experts and those who work in disease and control and 
you know, everyone that's that's trying to come up with a vaccine. It's the same thing for us as parents and teachers. I mean, situations are constantly changing, just like you mentioned, especially as we're trying to make those plans and preparations for our kids to go back to school. Speaking of which, Sherry, let, let me ask you this question. What do you think the accountability piece should look like for parents and children upon their return to school? Um, well, I see that they should maybe have something in writing that says, I agree to, um, if my child has a fever, I agree to take my child back home. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't hold them accountable, then how can we possibly hold ourselves accountable? Yeah. I think that if parents come back to school, they need to know this is what's going to happen in scenario A. Scenario yeah. A, if Johnny gets sick, mm-hmm. this is what happens. Right. Scenario B, if you get sick, this is what needs to happen. Sure. And we have to stand behind that. Mm-hmm. If we don't, then we're going to set up a system of parents just, you know, assuming that, well, they'll let me pass this time or they'll they'll, they'll let me get away with it this time. Right. We do not have the luxury mm-hmm. of not holding people accountable mm-hmm. because this is life or death. So we don't have mm-hmm. the, account to be a, the, the, the luxury of saying, well, it's okay. You know, it's, you, you can come in this time, even though he has a fever. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. Right. That's not fair to everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sherry, on that note, too, how do you feel or, or do you feel that children should be allowed to switch? Because I think that becomes another concern between parents and just members of our community. And like yourself, if you happen to be both a teacher and a parent, because I think we're, we're hearing both sides of, of the conversation or the situation. You have some parents who, who just are saying, you know, I don't think my child's ready. I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I feel comfortable with returning to school. So do you feel that children should be allowed to switch from virtual to in-person and vice versa? I would love that option yeah. um, personally because to say that we get the school year started, and I started my son in the virtual academy, and right. then after the five weeks, the numbers drop so drastically mm-hmm. that, you know, there's no need for social distancing, or it's safe enough for me to say, oh, you know what, you can go back to school now. I would right. love to be able to do that, yeah. but I don't think that's an option that's on the table, mm-hmm. because if I'm not mistaken, um, the virtual academies is requiring parents who do sign their children up for that option to commit to um, a long-term commitment that mm-hmm. is divided into semesters or the whole year. Okay, I think that it would be great. Yeah. If parents could say, you know, I want to send my child back to school now. But looking at it from the teacher point of view, mm-hmm. if I know that 50 of my students are not going to be back in school, yeah. I can make the decisions that, that, well, not me personally, but, you know, right. if I was the principal <laughs> or right. the county, then, then the principal could then make the decision to say, okay, I need a teacher here and here and here because this many children will, won't be here physically. Mm-hmm. We'll have this many children here physically. Right. And if that changes in the middle of the semester, then you've got to go back and reconfigure everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that is where that long-term commitment requirement is coming in yeah. is because they don't, they don't want to have to go in the at the end of September and say, okay, well, you got those 50 kids coming back now. Right. And then you need to move people around and change situations and fix other classrooms up we don't have time for that yeah so they're saying if you do choose that option then you know commit to it for at least a semester so that if you change your mind we have time to prepare exactly yeah for your child to come back very true very true 
Well, let's let's put another scenario in into the mix of, of our conversation. And we touched on this a, a little bit as regards to Sherry, uh, teachers who will be entering the classroom for the first time, especially when we talk about and, and, and this is a group that we haven't brought into the conversation. What concerns do you have about coverage or subs if teachers do get sick? I think that's that's going to be a hard topic as well because we already had um, a shortage of subs yeah. before all this happened. Right. And you know you have a lot of subs who come in who are already in that high risk category. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of subs right now saying, you know what, it's not safe enough right. for me to come back. I can't risk it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, coming back right now. So where are you going to find substitutes when a teacher gets sick? Um, and when a teacher gets sick, it's not like you can say finish the day out. Right. Um, if she comes to work that morning and she's got a fever, then she's got to go back home. Mm-hmm. And then that principal is left in a situation where now I've got to find a sub. Right. For this this teacher's class, I can't move any other teachers because we can't switch classrooms like that. So I've got to find a sub in a system right now where we're already short because we got te- subs not coming back. That's a hard. That's going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard um, area to, to get right. through right there. Right. Um, it's it's difficult. Uh, we do need more people who are willing to sub mm-hmm. right now. Um, it'd be greatly appreciated. Right. But I also understand why you would choose to not come back. Yeah, that's true. And and it's interesting that you mentioned that because you're right. When we think about substitute teachers. Typically, most of them, Sherry, are are teachers that likely had retired years ago, but had missed the profession so much that they want to come back, get back into it, even if it is on a temporary basis. And unfortunately, when we talk about COVID-19 or the coronavirus, you're right. It is our older ones, our seniors who are in that very high risk group whose safety is of the, of course, everybody's safety is of the utmost importance, but it's that particular age group that this virus is attacking. And I mean attacking hard because as we age, of course, our bodies are changing. You know, certain, our, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Major organs at some point start to shut down. So we, we're not as, as, I don't want to say as lively as we were when we were younger, but obviously as oh, we right. age, <laughs> there are things that do start to slow down. I'll put it that oh, yeah. way. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the progression <laughs> isn't as quickly or as quick to respond as it is when we are in our youth. But I, you know what? Mad respect to a lot of our seniors, because for me personally, I grew up around a lot of older adults and I have mm-hmm. such a mad love and respect for seniors because one they're the ones with the wisdom they're the ones with the experience they're the ones who can say i truly have been there and have done that you know so we just have such or at least i wish we would have more of an admiration and a love for our seniors and i'm sure there are many of us that do but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We have to take into consideration their safety as well, as for many of us when we, when we talk about a situation such as this. I tell oh, you, yeah, time definitely. always flies when, when we're engaged in great conversation. So let me see if I, I can squeeze in one more question. I'll try for two. Okay. We'll see how it goes. But let me, let me start by asking, why do you think it's important for us as a community to know that teachers aren't the only ones making the decision 
but that their families will possibly be suffering for that decision as well if they're exposed to this virus? Well, I think a, a lot of the community views teachers as what we need to get back to our normal. Mm-hmm. So that's the category that there a lot of people put us in. We need you to go back to work because I need to get back to my life. Right. And they forget teachers are human, too. Yeah. And we have families, too. Yes, we want to go back. Yes, we want to be there for your children. I want to go to work. I want to be in my classroom. I love what I do. Um, but we have to open the eyes yeah. of those parents who look at us as what just what they need, you know, to get back to my normal. What about the teacher's normal? Right. You know, our normal, yes, is in that school building. Mm-hmm. But we want to be seen as just as important and valued and treasured as the children who are coming into the school. Absolutely. You know, all life is important. Mm-hmm. All life, not just children's lives, right. not just teachers' lives. Mm-hmm. All you know, of us. They're, they're all important. So you want everybody to be safe. I think I, I would love for a parent to say, you know what, as a teacher, I've seen posts like that where, you know, parents are saying things like, oh, I'd hate to be a teacher because I know how hard your job is. And now you're having to worry about, you know, whether or not you're going to be, you know, in a situation that's going to keep you dangerous. I appreciate that mm-hmm. because it lets me know that you just don't see me as a public servant. You see me as a human being. Right. That's all we want. Absolutely. You know, just, just allow us to to feel the same fear and the same worries and, and the same, you know, whatever you're going through. We want to be able to freely feel those things as well mm-hmm. without the guilt of, well, no, you need to go back. You know, you, you're supposed to go back. You're supposed to do this. We're human, too. And we're going to make decisions that are right for ourselves and our families. Because at the end of the day, like I said, you're responsible for your own household. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Nicely said. Sherry, I hate that we have run out of time. So let me let me do this. When, as as we're concluding our conversation, I definitely want to do a, a follow up conversation, especially perhaps okay. maybe two or three months in once the kids are officially back in school to kind of okay. get things in perspective that we can share with our radio family as to how things are hopefully progressing under this right. major adjustment. And secondly, will you please give and and i don't know how you feel about hugging your boys but at least tell them hello please to your dear ones calvin let him know that renee said hello and the same for lincoln i can't believe that you have a rising ninth grader upon you oh boy i know mama he's like and he sounds like a grown man really he looks he looks just like his dad wow so i'm like you you're growing up too fast yeah yeah Instead of looking down, it's so weird. But, ah, but know. I know you're proud of him. I know you're proud oh, of him. Oh, very. And very Sherry, I just thank you so much, Mama. You know from me, no goodbyes, just until next time. So we're definitely going right. to have a continuation to this conversation. Well, thank you so much, Sherry Crosby. Thank who you. Is, you're welcome. Yes. 23 amazing years, Mama. Keep up the great work, especially yes, with ma'am. you being a teacher at Vandalia Elementary yeah. School. And, and tell your students, all of us here at Intercom, said hello as well. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And until that next time, likewise for you, Radio Family, thank you for the great things you're doing in our communities. Keep up the great work and indeed no goodbyes. Until next time, this brings to a conclusion the weekend edition of Community Focus. Please continue to stay safe. And until that next time, take care. (sighs) 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.